All right, well, at this time, the children can head out to Children's Church. Follow the crowd through the door. You have a lesson prepared for you. Mike is going to stay in here, though. All right. We are uh, going through, well, we've been talking about um, uh, living vitally, having vitality in our spiritual life. And so we have done, just talked, uh, man, about a lot of things. We are talking uh, right now, we're going through what we're calling the vital signs. Uh, So how can you identify uh, how healthy you are in your spiritual life? Now, last week we looked at the vital sign of uh, sensitivity. So uh, we compared it with the human uh, sight, uh, hearing, touch, taste, all of that. We talked about uh, having a sensitivity to truth which increases our sensitivity to sin, it increases our sensitivity to others, we are then able to increase our sensitivity to the Spirit, and then it goes back to the beginning, the Spirit then increases our sensitivity to truth, against sin, to others, to the Spirit, who teaches us more about truth. We are either moving towards Him, or we are moving away from Him. There really is no standing still. Now this week we're going to be looking at this vital sign, and it is the vital sign of congruity, and I don't know, I I mean, I told Jenny, Jenny goes, what's the sermon about this week? I said, congruity, and she goes, what is with you in these words? There you go, there you go. Uh, The reason is because what we're trying to talk about, there just isn't, um, I don't want to say normal words, but just not average words that kind of capture what we're looking at. uh, uh, Congruity is, when when things are congruent, it means that they are like or matched or harmonized or balanced. I mean, it it, it captures the imagery of of things that are not uh, the same thing that are similar or the same. And it's it's congruent. It's congruity. Um, Might use the word continuity might be another word. But continuity didn't quite uh, grasp it completely. When congruity is when we expect things to be a certain way because they present themselves that way, um, and then the reality matches up. So, for instance, I go to a, a used car shop, I buy a car, I have the expectation that this car drives, not that it floats on water. I have the expectation that this car drives not that it takes off into the air. So when I drive off of the lot, it has met my expectations. What, I, what it was presented to be and what it was were the same. And so in our life, we, we look at ourselves and we ask ourselves, uh, uh, when, we, when we're comparing ourselves with Christ, when we're looking in, in our spiritual life, are we like him? Are we congruent with him? We're not the same thing, but are we similar? Is what is said of us as Christians found in our actions and in our life? Do those things match up? So we're going to be talking about this, and you'll see how it has to do with the vital signs, but let's just jump right in because there's three ways that we gather or gain or maintain congruity in our spiritual life. And the first thing is this, it is the topic of conformity. In order to be congruent with Christ, in order to be aligned with him and balanced with him, in harmony with him, we have to conform. Now, conformity, typically as a word, 
has a pretty negative connotation. We think conforming means giving up who I am uh, in order to become something different. So I have to lose myself in order to gain something else. And even within the Christian context, if we are talking about conforming to one another, if we are talking about conforming to people around us, outside the church, inside the church, it doesn't matter, then I agree. We are, it, it carries a negative connotation. See, the reality is every person in here is sinful. Every person in here makes mistakes. Every person in here fails. Church, I, 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 I know. I, I'm not, it's, it's not even I might. I know that I fail you. Do you know why I know that? Because I'm human. I know I fail you. And you should know you fail me. Now, that's not meant as a criticism. That's just a reality of things. So when we sit here and we are looking and talking about conformity, well, it doesn't mean that I look necessarily at at someone who, who does more in Jesus. And I look at them and I say, oh, I ought to be more like them. Or I look at someone who does less than I do for Jesus. And then I say, oh, look, I'm so much better than them. This is, this is what we're doing. So what is it that we are supposed to be conformed to? There is an ideal body. And I know this. Because everybody that works out, works out in front of a mirror. Why are they there? They are there to conform their body, to shape their body into the image they have in their mind of what the ideal image is. No one goes and runs on the elliptical machine to get dumpier. No one does it. No one's like, I'm adding the flab. No. We have in our mind what the ideal body is supposed to look like, what a healthy body looks like. And so we go and we work out, and guys, they sit there "Mm -mm," checking their muscles and nonsense in there, in the mirrors. They do so because they have an ideal in their mind that they are trying to achieve, an image of what they're supposed to be. The uh, U.S. government has a wait list. I, I, I find that thing absolutely ridiculous. I don't consider... I am considered by the government, and you shut up, morbidly obese. At my weight, I do not consider myself to be morbidly obese. Pudgy, Pillsbury Doughboyish, I can go with morbidly obese. No, I'm not. But according but they have a standard of exactly what you're supposed to be if you're a certain height, certain weight, certain gender, certain color. I mean, it's all right there, and you're supposed to comport to it. It's the ideal. So in Christianity, what is the ideal? What is the ideal that we are trying to conform ourselves to? Obviously, uh, this is a children's church Sunday school answer. We all know the answer. Romans 8 verse 29 says, For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, I like that he uses this concept of the firstborn. When a child is birthed from his mother's womb in the delivery room, the doctors tell you a couple of things. 
tell you what gender it is. Two, they tell you how many toes it has. Why? Why do they, why do they tell parents how many toes the child has? Because the fact that the child has ten toes communicates that the child is healthy. Why? Because it conforms to what the human body is supposed to have. If it comes out missing things or things in wrong places, we know that it is unhealthy if it is not conformed to what the human form is supposed to look like. So when we have that baby, we assess it. So I look, when I look at this in Paul, and Paul's saying, look, uh, in this world, just as with every birth, every birth of a child into this world, this physical world, we can look at it and we can assess immediately if it's healthy or not in the flesh. So he's saying, look, Christ in coming to this, he made himself like us in his flesh. He was born, he lived, and he died, and he was resurrected, and he became the first born among many brothers, meaning, meaning that we now are able to be reborn into a new creature, a new creation, into a new existence. And just as when a baby is born in the flesh, you can assess its health by looking at how it comports and conforms to the human standard, so now he being the firstborn, we assess ourselves by comparing ourselves to him. Am I like him? Am I generous like him? Am I kind like him? Am I willing to forgive like him? In 2 Corinthians 10, 12, Paul tells us uh, there's a danger that we have as human beings. He talks about, he's talking about other people who are are, uh, apostles or they considered themselves big teachers in the church, and they were uh, trashing Paul, actually. He says, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves. He says, I'm not getting into this, this, they're this and I'm this game. He, He doesn't want to get into that. He says, but... When they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they're without understanding. His point there being, there is only one standard. I am not here to follow you, and you are not here to follow me. Because what I demonstrate is still a broken man making mistakes, trying to be more like Jesus. And so in looking to me, or my looking to you, I'm choosing a standard that's already flawed. There's only one standard, and that's what he says you don't understand. We are all broken, we are all sinful, we are all uh, mistaken, we are not perfected. So why would we look to each other and assess ourselves when we have the perfect example, Christ, God's Son, who was sinless and perfect, compare yourself to Him. Then you don't have to worry about what anyone else does. I don't have to worry about whether I'm forgiving people as much as you, or less than you, or you're as good as me. None of that matters. All that matters is I look at Jesus, and He's my standard, and I say, am I doing what He's doing? 
I look and I say, hey, I've got four fingers. Which one's missing? Oh, it's the, it's the finger of forgiveness. That's the one that I'm, I mean, I, I need to be healthy. I need to add that. He has it. I don't. I need to add that to me. If we look to each other, we're, we get the wrong image. He's the ideal image. He's what we're shooting for. He's what we should conform to. Now, Paul recognized that we have this tendency. Um, and so, I, I want you to hear it the way he actually intends it, I believe. He's, he's saying, if you must imitate someone, if you have to do that, because you can't picture in your head, Jesus, if you've got to picture someone, here's what he says, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Be imitators of me, but what is it that you are to imitate about him? If you have to imitate a man, he says, imitate a man who's imitating Jesus. Paul says, all I'm trying to do is be like him. And if you just try to be like him, like me, we're in the same boat. Paul does not say, look at how I pray. He does not say, look at how I serve. He does not say, look at how I give. He does not say, look at how I pray or how I preach. He doesn't say, look at me at all. He says, if you must be, be imitators of me in that I am an imitator of Christ. That's the only thing that matters. So if you want to assess this morning your place spiritually, the question is, who are you comparing yourself to? Are you looking to Christ as the standard? And so uh, John says this, 1 John 2, 4-6, he says, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. The one who is in him is conformed to him. He's the standard. And so we see that for us to have spiritual life, conformity then, conformity isn't a bad thing when we are conforming ourselves to the image of what the Creator made us to be as opposed to conforming ourselves into the image of what other people want us to be. That most certainly should carry a negative connotation, always. But to reach the potential I was created for, conforming to that image that I was created in, there couldn't be anything better in this life. Conformity, we get to conformity, but we need to add something to it. And that is, we need to add to our conformity, consistency. Now, we look for consistency in the human body everywhere as an example of health. When I go to the doctor, when you go to the doctor, and they're looking, uh, they're doing the checkup to try to see if we're healthy, what do they always, what do they always check? Your pulse, right? Your heart rate. What are they trying to assess? You're standing there, your heart's obviously beating. What are they assessing? Is it beating consistently? Is it in rhythm? See, a heart that's out of rhythm is unhealthy. A heart that's beating too slow is not feeding enough oxygen to you. A heart that's beating too fast 
puts you out of balance. Health is found when the heart is consistently, from the first day to the last, consistently the same. It's reliable. Same thing with your breathing rate. Are you breathing quick enough to get enough oxygen? Are you not? When your breathing rate isn't right, you know, you've got to get the oxygen. Heart rate is a consistency thing. You've got the breathing. The only other consistency thing that I could come up with, we're not going to talk about it, is the frequency of bathroom. But that, it just, those are the things that the doctors look for as far as consistency goes. Our heart does not only beat the moment we need blood. It's not sitting there still until my brain says the signal and says, we need oxygen now, and so it beats and sends it. That doesn't happen. We also, we also do not uh, hold our breath until the very moment that we need oxygen, do we? Try that. Why not? Let's all pass out together. Hold your breath. So here I am. I've taken a breath, and I'm going to not breathe again until I need oxygen. Well, I don't need oxygen yet. Now, normally I would keep breathing because my body is smart, but I'm not being smart right now. I'm only breathing when I need it. And what's happening is I'm starting to feel a lot of panic. My body is upset at me right now. And it becomes almost pa- So there we go. Uh, that's the end of that. We don't do that. We do not merely breathe the moment we need oxygen. Why? Because without consistent oxygen, without a consistent breathing, without consistent heart rate, it creates in our bodies anxiety, panic, stress. It creates messages that we are in danger, in danger. And so if you actually only took a breath the the moment you needed oxygen, the rest of your life you would be anxious, stressed, unpeaceful all the time. It is the consistency in breathing that keeps everything relaxed. Now you may be saying, well, what, what in the world does this have to do with the church? It's way too easy for us to only read when we need a word from God. It's way too easy for us as Christians to only stop and pray the moment the moment we feel out of control. Only reading when we feel the need for it. Only praying when we feel the need for it is like holding your breath and only taking a breath the moment you need oxygen. What it does is it creates a faith, it creates a walk, it creates a spiritual life that is filled with anxiety and panic because you're running from emergency to emergency. God asks us to be consistent in prayer. Consistent. 
if we are consistent in reading, if we are consistent in prayer, the, I'm telling you right now, most of the anxieties that we feel would melt away. Most of the worries would be gone. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Steadfast, immovable, always abounding. Be responsible, be reliable, and never give up. It's pretty much the sum of consistency, isn't it? Keep going. Is your spiritual life consistent? Or is there church Nathan and home Nathan, work Nathan, public Nathan? Or is there secret Nathan? Is there internet Nathan? If someone from your work were to show up at church, would they see a different person? If someone from church was to end up at your work, would they see a different person or would they see the same person? Because our God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we are supposed to be the same. Reliable, responsible, unmovable. Our forgiveness knows no bounds. Our love, no barriers. But it is. Is that who we are when we're not here? Are we consistent? In Revelation chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, Jesus speaks to the church there and he says, I know that you're enduring patiently and you're bearing up for my name's sake and, and, and you haven't grown weary. So he's saying, look, I, I see there are, there are great things that you guys are doing, but I have this against you. What does he have against him? You have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove the lampstand from its place unless you repent. What is his criticism here? Is it that they're not doing anything? No, he says, I I see that you're doing stuff. Is it that they don't love him? No, well, no. I mean, he even recognizes that they, they love him. I mean, they're enduring, and they're, they're, they're enduring suffering for his name. But he looks at me, he says, but this I have against you. You aren't consistent. You're on and off. You're here, then there, and there's just, you're not reliable. So conforming to his image only really has power if it's consistent. So Paul says this in Titus, to end end the consistency. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about this. Paul, oh man, you just, we are getting ready for this next year. Just, if you don't like politics, don't even turn on the television. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be crazy. And here's what you notice. Everybody is sitting, you don't even hear issues. It's all people trying to dig up dirt just to have something bad to say about someone else. Because if I can prove that you're a jerk, well, then no one has to listen to you. That's human nature. It's been that way from the beginning. So Paul says, without consistency, 
You just give people an excuse. You give them an excuse to throw away the truth. Last thing is this. Third one is synchronization. When a doctor checks your eyes, you go in. Especially if they're checking to see if you got a concussion or anything, right? They hold the finger up. They move their finger this way. I wish I could do it because that would have been cool. But it would not be good if he starts moving his eye, you know, and one eye moves and the other stays straight. At that point, the doctor's going to look at you and say, okay, something is wrong. Eyes don't do that. Okay. Um, why? The eyes are not able to do what it is they're supposed to do unless they move in sync and in harmony with one another. It's the only way we can see clearly. It's the only way we can, we can focus. So much of our body is like that. Our eyes do that. Uh, so we, we've got to be in sync there. But here, let me... Look at how absolutely stupid this looks. Now, you're going to find this looking stupid, and I want you to ask yourself, why does this look stupid? Never mind. Don't, ask, don't, don't say it. I'm just, okay, ready? Okay, what was wrong with that? What was wrong with that? Why did that look stupid? Okay, my arms weren't moving. And all of us, we all look and go, Okay, what? If, we, if you went outside and you saw in your neighborhood some guy walk, running through like that, you're going to look and say, he needs to go back to bed. Because something, something wrong with him. Why? Because we know when we run. Running includes our arms. Which doesn't seem to make any sense because it's not like we're pawing at the ground. But we do. And it runs in sync with our legs, Right? And they run and say, no one, no one runs like this because that ain't working together. They don't do it. Everyone, we run like that. Keeps everything in balance, keeps everything smooth, keeps everything moving. Going back to the heart and breathing rate. I have a all of you are at rest. Your, your, your hearts are at a restful, uh, a restful rate of whatever it is. Okay, I don't know what your restful heart rate is. It's just going boom, 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 boom. Now, without getting up, without moving, without doing any exercise, anything at all, for the next three minutes, I just want you to start huffing and puffing as hard, taking in as much air as you go. Just where you are sitting there, just, just inhale and exhale as fast and as much as you can. Do you know what will happen? You will get lightheaded. If you don't pass out. Why? Why? Because sometimes I breathe fast. Sometimes I breathe slow. Because those two things have to be synchronized. If my heart rate is fast, my breathing rate has to speed up to keep supplying the amount of oxygen. It has to work together. Either way, whether... It doesn't matter whether they're out of sync, whether I'm breathing too fast or not breathing fast enough. If they are not in sync, I'm passing out. That's the end result. I'm passing out. Because we're not made to work when our bodies are not in sync, when they are not conformed, when they are not consistent. So it's, we have to find ourselves to be in sync with God. Or it isn't going to work.
In Galatians 5.25, Paul says this. If we live by the Spirit, let me point, meaning if you are alive by the Spirit, if you are made alive, if the Spirit is in you, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Every army comedy movie, always, they always focus on some, at some point, them trying to march together, and there's always one that's out of line, and, and it messes everybody up. They fall down, they trip over each other, whatever it is. One person in the procession. Everyone has to be in sync, doing the same thing, or they interrupt each other. Paul is saying, you and I need to be in sync with the Holy Spirit. If you claim to be alive by the Spirit, if you claim to live in Him, then you should be moving where He moves, doing what He, what he does, and saying what He says. That's the way it should be. That's why people had a problem with Jesus, is He went places and they didn't understand it because it didn't, it didn't conform to man's image of what He should be doing. Uh, he was conformed to God, and He consistently listened to it, because he was synchronized with the Spirit. He said what the Father said. He did what the Spirit told him to. I mean, that's, just, that's how he did it. We are supposed to be the same way. Being in the Spirit means keeping in step with him. Second, uh, Second John verse, chapter 1, 8-9 says this, Watch yourself so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but that you may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If we get out of sync with with God, we will either find our, as he says, running ahead, we'll find ourselves declaring things that God didn't declare, and then everyone's going to hold God accountable for when it doesn't happen. Or, God is urging us and telling us, speak this truth and we won't do it. The Old Testament warns against that. He warns the prophets. He says, look, if I tell you, if I tell you to go and warn someone of their sin and you refuse, their sin is on your head. That's what he told his prophets. If I send you, you do not go, their sin's on your head. But if you go and they refuse you, it stays on their head. We are to go where he goes. My dad um, spent the last year with an autoimmune disease. I can't remember the name of it. It, was, it wasn't Wilson. It was something weird. An autoimmune disease is just where the body gets out of sync with itself. But really, that's all it is. Is that the part of your body that fights infection suddenly doesn't recognize the rest of your body or a part of your body and begins to attack it and destroy you. It's out of sync. Brings death. Being out of the sync with the Spirit is the same thing. Listen, okay, Galatians 5, 16 to 17. Last scripture here. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. I like that he says it because you're sitting there going, wait, what does he mean by that? Exactly that. If you want to do sinful things, the Spirit is there to convict you not to do those things. 
And if you want to do righteous things, the flesh is there trying to convince you not to do righteous things. What he says right there is right there. These two things are both advocating for you not to do what it is that you actually want to be doing. The flesh and the spirit, both within you, are in conflict. They are not in sync. They are fighting and battling one another. They're marching to two different drums, if you will. And you and I, we have to choose one. In 1 Peter, Peter tells us uh, to flee from the devil, draw near to God, and he will draw near to us. There's a reason. These things are opposite. And you become whatever you get close to. This principle is in the natural world called entrainment. I actually didn't know that word until this week. But it is fascinating. Entrainment is the phenomenon that happens when things that are rhythmic or cyclical, when they come together, the rhythms all become in sync. Happens all over nature. In 1665, there was a Dutch scientist named Christian... Jeff, what was that last name? Huygens. Because that ain't how it's spelled. Christopher Huygens. He discovers something strange. Now, he's the guy that invented. You ever see the clocks with the big pendulums on them that swing at the bottom? He invented those clocks. So he made one, and he set it up, and the pendulum began going back and forth in one pattern. So he went by, and he made a second one. And said it, and it was at a different pattern. They, they, they were swinging contrary to each other. Well, when he was done making it, done getting it going, he went and set it on the wall next to the other one, just like in the picture. Turned around, walked away. One hour later, he came back, and the pendulums were moving in absolute sync. He thought that was weird. So he went over there, and he reset it so that they were out of sync again. Within 30 minutes, they were back in sync. And he found it so weird. It's called entrainment. Now, this video is just from a couple years ago. UCLA uh, did this experiment. Watch this. They're using metronomes, the same principle. And they're being thrown at different, uh, different patterns. And this has not been edited at all. This is the way it is. One on the end even speeds up. They step in there, set them different, let them go again, they'll line up again. 350 years this has confounded people. They recently went through and explained how it happens. In essence, what happens is when you put them together, the effect of the one on the other. Scientists, right? Air, whatever. They affect, the, the one, they affect each other until they come into harmony with one another. If you were to take one of those metronomes away 
from being in sync with seven others, you took it out and you had one over here that was different and you set it next to it, it will sync up with that one. Because whatever we are the nearest to changes the very foundational rhythm of our life. It changes how we experience life. It changes who we are, what we do, what we say. See, in this life, you are either drawing closer to God, because the closer you get to God, the more He changes your life to be in sync with His. That what He says is true begins to make sense. You understand it in a way you never could understand it before. You begin to see things in a completely different way. You see the move of God in crazy in crazy things. i got to tell you this story. I wasn't going to do it uh, uh, because... Because I, I, I don't know that you're going to care, but I don't, I don't care that you don't care. So here's what happened. We have, uh, when we got here, we bought a new washer and dryer, and we got these Merlot, you know, the, the front-loading ones, whatever. Okay, so we got those. Bought those when we got here. They've been there. Got a five-year warranty. The one time, I never get the warranty. I never get the warranty. Now, on appliances, I'm always getting the warranty. So every year, the big heating unit, in the dryer, would go out. Every year. So I'd call the warranty, they'd send the guy out. He'd get so mad. He'd look at him like, oh man, I hate this brand in this year. This model, he goes, he goes half of the things that I go on is this model breaking down. He had a bunch of them in his truck because he knew half the calls were going to be this model breaking down. And last year, he, he'd get mad. Oh, you know, oh yeah. Fifth time he came out last year, we were at the end of the warranty, but it was under warranty, he came in. He said, now look, this is the last one, this is what, this is last, and you need to understand. He said, I'm going to tell you, you want you want me to come out and fix it next year, I'll do that, and every year after that, it's going to cost you $400 every time I come out to fix this unit. So it went out. I don't even think we made it a year. It's out, there's no warranty. I'm not going to spend $400 when I could go get a brand new one that's not going to do this again, hopefully, for $800. So I go out. Now, I'm trying to be a smart guy. Like my dad taught me, a man who measures and measures twice. So I had my uh, uh, measuring tape out. I was ready. Before we left, I was going to go in there. I was going to measure the width and the depth of the current unit that I had, all of this, so that I would know exactly what I needed to fit in that area because it's a pretty small little area. And then I forgot. I didn't. I didn't write it down. I didn't even look at it. I didn't even look up what model it was. All I knew it was this certain brand, and it was the red Merlot color. That's all I remember of this stupid thing. And, well, and, then, and it's an electric dryer. Thank goodness I knew that. So I get there, and, and then I'm, I'm so mad. I'm really frustrated with myself. Bella and Kate are with me. I'm, I'm really irritated because I, I didn't do this. And I walk up, and so I thought, well, I'm, I'll just eyeball it. I'm, well, no, that ain't going to work. I, I got really frustrated myself trying to, trying to eyeball the size of this dryer, and it wasn't going to work out. So finally, I just went over to, this, to the, uh, the, the lady that was there at the computer, and I said, I said, I'm an idiot. I forgot to measure I'm not sure what the size is. Can you look up a 2014 model of this dryer? She goes, I don't think so. I said, can you try? I, I, I need to try to figure out what it is. So she spends, I don't, I don't know how long, 
couple of minutes looking it up. Finally, finally pulls it up. Is this your model? And there it is. There it is. My red dryer is on the screen. I said, yeah, that's it. I said, give me the measurements because I'm going to go measure ones that are on the floor. So I write it all down. Now she hands me, oh, thank you, because I also forgot my measuring tape. So she hands me that, and I go, and I'm, I'm ready to start. As I'm, as I'm finishing writing it down, taking the sheet, another lady walks by. Tanya. She walks by, happens to look. Oh, you're looking for, uh, you're looking for a Merlot one. You won't find them on the floor. I have one in the back. I said, no, nah, I'm, I'm not interested. The one that I had had this problem. Yeah, but they don't have, they don't have that. They fixed, they fixed that problem years ago. This is last year's model. We just pulled it off the floor. It's been in the back. I don't know. Oh, you just hold on. And then she took off. I mean, she didn't even wait. She, didn't even ask. she wasn't even, even interested. If I was interested, she's just gone in the back. I'm like, whatever. So I start going, and we're looking at them, trying to figure out what it is we're going to get. She comes back. She goes, hey, yeah, I've got one in the back. I'm not really into it. She goes, here, come here. And I'm trying to get out of this. She won't leave me alone. You know what happens when you go to these places. So she, she, I come over, and I'm like, I'm like, all right. And she goes, pulls it up on the screen. She goes, there it is. is that, does that look like the one that you had? I said, yeah, that looks exactly like it. And she goes, would you like to know how much that is? I said, yeah, tell me. She goes, hmm, let's see. It's listed at $900. I knew it was going to be eight to $1,100. The, we're selling it for $169. Now I'm interested. See, I wasn't, I, I, and I, I was annoyed before, and now I'm not, I'm not quite as annoyed. I'm, hmm, interesting. So she actually goes and pulls it off, and she, she's, she is an older lady. I don't know how she did this. And she went and pulled it off the shelves, brought it down, showed it to me. She was so happy that she had it, showed it to me, and she goes, yeah, and she goes, I bet you want the warranty, don't you? And I'm like, man, the warranty is going to be more than the, than, the, than the dryer is. And she goes, oh, no, it's based on the price. What? So we went back over there. Five-year warranty, fully covered, $49. For almost half the repair fee, I have a new dryer coming that matches my current one. Discontinued because they changed the color. Just discontinued a couple of weeks prior. One is sitting in the back. Fixed problem to mine, brand new, free shipping, everything. They're going to come out and install everything for about half of what it would have been to fix it with that warranty. Now, you may sit there and go, yeah, it sounds like a steal. That's cool. No, 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 no. See, here's what's cool. I was mad all day until then because I forgot to do the measurement. But it is because I forgot to do the measurement that I had to talk to the person and have her pull up my model on the screen. It took her the exact amount of time to pull it up on the screen so that my red model was visible as this other woman was walking through for her to see and say, oh, we have one of those in the back. You've got two things you can do with those kind of situations in your life. You can look and say, what a coincidence. Or you can look and look at the rest of your life and see how God does 
just the silliest things along the way. Things that you thought were dumb worked out to your benefit. I'm going to pull out Kevin. Kevin, don't, you don't have to stand up or nothing. I remember, remember when you lost your job and you were given another one and you didn't take it, right? Because you didn't feel like it was the right one. And you got one that would, huh? Yeah. But the one you got was better. And I remember Kevin and I having, and I'm not, I hope I'm not pulling this out. I remember, I, I can remember having the conversation of him going, that internal struggle of, it's a lot of money, but didn't feel the, you didn't feel the connection. You didn't feel like it was right, let's say that. It just didn't feel right. We had the same conversation recently too, right? I mean, there's a lot of these. You guys don't hear all these stories. I hear all these stories all the time. I am telling you, when you are living in sync with God, he moves things and does things where you may sit here and say, I don't understand what's happening, right? I, I, don't, know why it's, it's, I don't know why are things working out this way. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in a better place than you could have planned. Because that's what he does when you're in sync with him. Nine months later, it shut down. He didn't want you there. Hey, that's big money that's not going to be there. It's just, that's how it works. So look, with all three of these things, living in congruity with the Spirit, with God, means not just conforming your life to His, but doing so consistently. And in that consistency, the longer you are near him, the more the rhythm of your life changes to match his. Where his will becomes your will. Righteousness becomes your desire, not sin. You become repulsed by sin. You literally change. And it's, it, it is for no other reason than you are close to him. Flesh and spirit are opposed, and you will move in harmony with the one you draw near to. So I ask you this morning, Jesus gives the invitation. If you haven't, you can be conformed to him today. You can make that choice to be reborn, spiritually new. If you've been reborn but you haven't been consistent, all it takes is the willingness to admit it. We offer that. We'll have elders up here pray with you. Or maybe, maybe it's a synchronization. Now, here's, here, here's the weird thing here. This is one of the things about people go, well, why do you do the come in front? Because sometimes God calls and wants a, he wants a movement, a reaction, that you sit there and go, well, that's going to be uncomfortable. That's going to be awkward. That's going to be, you're right, it will be. But it's worth it. To follow his voice when he calls. He said, today, if you hear the voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the desert. Christ is calling you this morning. Let's stand. We're going to sing our song of invitation, and we are going to.